noches, amigos. Buenas noches, Navra. ¿Cómo estás? Bien. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. Mexican style. Muchas gracias. Champion. Campeón. Thank you very much. This is Rudy Mondragon. And I'm Jared Bato. And this is the split draw. I don't fight because I want. I fight because I need. So all my people can eat, drink, fucking get free. Come on. What's up? What's up? Good what's morning. Up? What's up, Jared? How are you, man? I'm doing good, Rudy. How are you today? I'm good, man. I've, I feel like I've fully recovered from COVID. I was I was out last week, three days. COVID really put a put me down for the count. I had a I, had, I was fighting a fever and and a lot of body aches and chills and headaches and uh, just lost my appetite. Wasn't hungry at all. So I'm 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 happy to be back uh, here with you, and I'm I'm fortunate that that COVID didn't hit me too bad. It just felt like a really intense flu. You're looking really resilient. If you uh, went through that in the past three days, doesn't even show. And but I appreciate how safe you're being, how responsible you're being, and it's it's setting an example because yes, uh, this summer is uh, I think kind of a super spreader event. Like we're seeing more and more cases come up. And uh, I'm glad folks who are catching it, unfortunately, are, are being safe and we know exactly what to do. So I'm happy you're back. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was it's like people have been saying you're eventually everybody's eventually going to get it. And it's it's I guess it was my time two years into the pandemic and it finally caught up to me. And I'm just uh, glad that I got vaccinated. I got all three vaccines and there's a there's word about a fourth and uh you know I'm, I'm looking into that and seeing if i need to get a fourth vaccine but mm-hmm. that's uh just ways to protect yourself first and foremost and then protecting others as well from yeah. from this pandemic but we're here we're back we're going to talk about the thing we always talk about boxing, boxing. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had uh, <clears throat> we, we, the recent fight you know the recent fights that took place were were the big mega fight between Canelo Alvarez and 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 Bivol and so we'll talk a little bit about that one and then just last week the the fight the rematch between Brian Castaño and and Charlo that was such a such a great fight mm-hmm. good entertaining fight that took place in the in the classic I still call it the stub hub I still call it the Home Depot Center but that mm-hmm. fight took place in Carson and that venue just never seems to disappoint. It always delivers. StubHub, yeah. I Home Depot Center, like it just has it just has that warrior feel. Like somehow fighters who fight there kind of throw things out the window <laughs> and mm-hmm. they they get it in. And yeah, maybe it's the sound of the audience or something like that. But yeah, it's there's always been classic fights that that have been had there, and this one was no exception and um yeah mm-hmm. the, the past two weeks in general were really good boxing and super excited to like break it down really and 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 see a little bit of the after effects i think uh because uh it, it definitely got us thinking because i think our mm-hmm. theme for this podcast is what does an l mean in boxing and mm-hmm. we realize that not all l's are equal absolutely yeah the that's the big thing that you know with with the canelo defeat at the hands of of Bivol 
Mm-hmm. It raises, um, I don't know if it raises questions because Canelo is Canelo. He's the cash cow of this of this era of boxing. And so when we were talking about this episode, we were thinking about the upcoming clash between uh, Roly Romero and Gervonta Davis. And both of those fighters are undefeated. And if there is a victor in that fight coming up, Mm-hmm. then one of these fighters, as they say, you know, their, 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 O will go, mm-hmm. they will have a defeat. And so we, got, Jared and I got to talking, you know, and, and, and discussing like not all L's are created equal in this sport. And there's a lot of talk about how a L won't hurt you in your career. And that's, and that's true to an extent, but it's also depending on who you are as a fighter. Mm-hmm. An L will mean something very different for a Canelo, whereas an L will mean something very different for a fighter like Brian Castaño, who just recently lost to Charlo. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he was undefeated and he he lost his undefeated record, but he's not the same type of fighter as a Canelo, as a as a Charlo, as as Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury. So. An L for these these fighters means something, you know, something very different. And that's something that we wanted to talk about in this podcast. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, for Canelo, right, his L was it felt like, you know, a drop of water on his shoulder. Like to me as a fan, as being a witness to this history, seeing him lose to Mayweather, even that uh, loss to him, him losing his zero didn't feel as if like, Oh, I guess I'm never seeing him again. You know, like it felt like, Oh, I'm seeing this cat again. Mm -hmm. He's going to come in. He's going to retool. He's going to, uh, rise and overcome this. And, um, and with, uh, with Canelo, like, I think him losing a bivol, uh, with, yeah, especially him not feeling, looking discouraged. He just feel seemed frustrated. He wasn't defeated. And I think that's the quality of the L he took. It's like, yes, like there was a better fighter across of him that he could not figure out and he could not uh, overcome. And so, but his L didn't mean like he was crushed inside. Like that was different. And then in contrast, like you said, with Castaño's L, he lost in devastating fashion. Like he, uh, he was open to the check left hook all night. And it took away his win. He, uh, Charlo chopped down that tree. He stayed disciplined and didn't get into a, a wild fight like he did in the first time uh, for this rematch. So, like, I still think this is a quality L because for Castaño, Charlo is still one of the elites. And, and now that Charlo's undisputed, Castaño should be proud of this. But I'm also not going to be surprised if the fallout and the damage to Castaño's like very short-term um you know future becomes becomes hard because mm-hmm. you know suddenly promoters aren't looking for you uh, suddenly um you know that streak uh, of what identity he's gathered from his his undefeated career so far he needs to retool and re make make a different perspective about his career to bring the fans to him and yeah he probably needs to do some soul searching he was definitely articulate in this post fight interview um he was still had his lights about him and um yeah he he showed that he wasn't defeated within so i think he'll he'll be fine but yeah like there's been so many examples in the past of uh, boxing feeling like gambling 
it's good when you're winning. It's good when it keeps going. But as soon as you lose that crapshoot, everybody on your table cheering for you is gone. You know, I, it's, how, how do you feel about that? The things that you were saying, it just it just makes me think about like boxing functioning as a winner take all market, you know, and when when you when you participate in a winner take all economy, which is boxing, you have your top performers, you have your top one percent, which Canelo's a part of, which Tyson Fury is a part of, which, you know, it's, it's a very small core of list of fighters who are collecting the biggest paydays in boxing and in Canelo's case the quality of the defeat like you said Canelo didn't get knocked out Canelo didn't look horrible in there he he fought a good fight and that's where narrative comes in because the narrative there is Canelo tried to take on the biggest challenges that he could and he came up short and that's okay and it is 100% it's mm-hmm. it's, it's totally fine but the narrative there is is one that's spun in a way that that Canelo can easily go back down to 168 mm-hmm. and still campaign there and land some big mega fights, whether it's for a title or not, because that's the point in his career that he's reached. It doesn't matter if Canelo's fighting for a title or not. He's he's OK with just having a fight with a big name. You know, if he has a good dance partner, it'll sell because it's Canelo in relation to whoever he ends up fighting and how they market that fight. Mm-hmm. Jermel Charlo is now the undisputed champion at 154 and he's going to move up to 160 so he's won all four belts he's made a kick so he needs the belts the belts for him are something important because in his career he's still trying to establish himself as the guy mm-hmm. like he's not there yet because you know canelo's still in the mix and but he's done his part in terms of becoming a four belt champion in the 154 pound division he's now making a case for him being in the in the top five pound for pound list so his quality of wins are now demonstrating, especially now in rematches, too, because he's demonstrated a great ability to make adjustments in rematch fights. The first mm-hmm. time he fought against Harrison and then the rematch and now with Castaño. Mm-hmm. So his quality of victories are leading him along with his promoter and management are leading him to becoming a winner in this winner take all market. And, and, and in those markets, you need to be a top performer inside the ring. Right. The skills pay the bills. But you also have to put butts in seats. Yep. So for a Charlo, for a Canelo, that's what they have going for them, that they're good inside the ring, but they're also attractive fighters that bring fans to the arena. Mm-hmm. So the L for Castaño, although this fight sold 800 or, or generate a viewership of 838,000 viewers on Showtime, which is a good number, Brian Castaño to what extent is he a fighter who can put butts in seats? To what extent does he have a fan base, a market that in defeat, he can come back and still land some big fights. And we've seen other Argentinian fighters who have bounced back mm-hmm. strongly mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. defeats, right? Mm-hmm. We saw Lucas Matisse come back mm-hmm. after he lost to who did he lose to? It was against um, Danny Garcia. Yes. Right. We saw Marcos Maidana come back after losing to Amir Khan and still was able to land two fights with Floyd Mayweather. He landed that fight prior to that against Adrian Broner and succeeded, right? So mm-hmm. there's still potential there. Castaño is a fighter that will give you a good fight, will give you a good show. Yeah, right? and he'll be feared because, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's that's the thing. Like, he, not only is he still a great fighter, uh, the matchup possibility for anybody who's 
potentially wanting to look at him is scary. <laughs> like, and it's easy for them to say, no, I'll look, I'll look elsewhere. Castaño is going to wreck me. Right. Uh, but yeah, the, the, it's, it's great that you bring up those Argentinian boxers. Of course, there's, there's been uh, uh, comebacks in the past. Yeah. And then I, I can't, I can't not talk about my, my favorite. Maravilla. Sergio Maravilla <laughs> Martinez, right? He had a big loss when he came and fought against Antonio Margarito. That's I think true. that was his U.S. Wow. debut. Wow, wow, wow. And he lost. He came back and ends up landing some big fights against Kelly Pavlik, lands a big fight against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., ends up fighting against Miguel Cotto, and then, and then suffers a major defeat there. But I guess here my point is that there is a possibility, and, and, and I guess for Castaño, it's, it, this L, which he got knocked out, it's a devastating loss, but I think there's still some potential there. The viewership that his, his management team, his promoter can leverage and say that he, he does generate a fan base. Mm-hmm. But again, all, not all L's are made equal, right? Yeah. The Castaño loss, when we generalize this idea, like losing in boxing is not the, not the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. It's not the worst thing. But but we have to be very honest, like not all L's in boxing are created equal. And and a lot of people attribute this to like what to Mayweather, to Floyd Mayweather and how he made such an important thing of his undefeated record when he entered the contract with Showtime, the six fight contract he had with Showtime. Right. He was so big about and it was genius marketing because the narrative there was I'm going to. I'm not going to lose my O. Yeah. Well, that, but he's like, I'm not going to, I'm going to destroy Rocky Marciano's record. Uh Rocky Marciano's great record of 49 and 0. I'm going to better it. I'm going to surpass it. That was Floyd Mayweather's marketing genius Mm -hmm. because, you know, I don't, you know, people will say that race has nothing to do with boxing, but to the contrary, that had everything to do with race because Floyd Mayweather was genius. Like what better way to really create buzz? What better way to, upset the status quo than to challenge the great the mystique of rocky marciano the great italian massachusetts raised to immigrant italian parents white heavyweight champion Mm -hmm. floyd Mm -hmm. mayweather uh, a welterweight at the time demanding the world take him in and uh and basically accept this hard fact that he was going to take over the best record in boxing. However, that's funny because that idea of that being the best record, who, who came up with that decision? Who made the decision to say Rocky Marciano is the record to beat in boxing? Because, you know, after Rocky Marciano, we had great Mexican fighters that yeah. have not gotten the recognition in the same way yep. for their feat of coming to a 49-0 and record, right? Yeah. Julio Cesar Chavez was 87 and 0 before he suffered his first draw in boxing against Pernell Whitaker. He was then 89 wins, zero losses, and one draw when he eventually lost his first time against Frankie Randall. And then Ricardo Finito Lopez, he finished his career 51 wins, no losses, one draw with 38 knockouts. Mm-hmm. But the record to beat it was 50 and 0 for Marciano, it was right? Marciano's 49 and 0, right? 49 and 0, right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's very unintuitive. Like it's like I I really think it is just marketing. Like have communi- communicating that you have an O and that two fighters with Os are coming into a fight together is a very very quick way to say, "Hey, 
something's gonna happen here you gotta come and watch so maybe that's it but uh yeah we we've we've talked about the quality of w's quality of l's and i want to give you five um exceptions right in recent history uh these are uh boxers identified as journeymen but with quality l's and quality w's and i'll go from recent history all the way back to old ones so here's the first one demarcus corley he is a welterweight he has fought Mayweather. He has fought Matisse. He has fought Provodnikov. He's fought Maidana. He's fought Devon Alexander. He's fought Miguel Cotto, Zab Judah. Quality of resume. It's just like right there. And they're all Elzo. Yeah, they're all L's, but he's also, <laughs> but he's, he's been able to get that fight and he served also as a sparring partner. So I think, um, I forget the name of, um, the fighter who's like um, Pacquiao's longtime sparring partner, but he's Raimundo Beltran and Beltran. Exactly. I think uh, Corley and Beltran to me are like, like icons in a way. Like I follow them on Instagram, humble people still getting jobs out there, but like, you know, they're cute. They have love for the boxing sport and still do it despite not being as popular as other people. Uh, Darnell Boone, is also one with an old, uh, with a most recent but pretty good resume. Sergey Kovalev, Willie Monroe Jr. He fought Sergey Kovalev twice. Adonis Stevenson, Erslandi Lara, Curtis Stevens. Like a lot of people um, that, and this one was more, uh, more of a mix of wins and losses. And going back more in time, we got Emmanuel Augustus Mayweather himself said this is one of his toughest fights in his career, the one that it was tricky to get this win. Um, yeah, this one he he has a weird style, uh, but all and his record is thirty eight and thirty four, almost point uh, five a win loss ratio. And going back more in time, this is guy Livingstone Brad Bull, forty and twenty six. This guy's from uh, Saint Kitts and Nevis. And yeah, he his his end of the career was 2003, but he his style was very much like Emmanuel Augustus, like weird style, awkward style, and he wasn't actually friendly to TV because he was he was outside promoting smoking weed all the time, and so this was a weird like marketing combination that just was not good. He was actually a great fighter, but he didn't get the fights lined up for him, and he didn't get decisions going his way, similar to. Emmanuel Augustus. Yeah, the, this guy, uh, Livingstone Bramble, fought Roger Mayweather. And then uh, lastly, Jersey Joe Walcott. He's a heavyweight champ in the past. His his record is 49 and 20, except he fought Rocky Marciano twice, Ezra right. Charles three times, Joe Lewis twice. It's just crazy, his record. And he's fought, he's been in the mix for this, all these people who are now historic. And yeah, maybe he didn't get his shine, but like his resume speaks for itself. So I, I think what I found at least in common with all these five exceptions of people who don't have O's in their record is just the quality of their opponents, the quality of the fights they, they've made. So it's just really interesting to me. Yeah. What's interesting about those names that you named off too is, is boxers get labeled a certain way in the industry, you know, and I think some of these boxers, what they have is that they're entertaining and and in a winner take all market you need you need volume you need volume in the sense of laborers of workers of people who are gonna uh, be fed in this case to the one percent or to the top performers of boxing and like corley the drunken master um joe these names that you named off like 
Raimundo Beltran, these these fighters are are known in the industry as being durable, as as being um, tough fights, as as fighters. Journey, that, journeyman is their a, journeyman. Is a, is a weird label that they came uh-huh. up because they couldn't find any better language. You know. Yeah, they're journeymen or they're durable fighters who will put on a good show, and that promoters will match against their their stars when they're ready to fight a test to fight a true test but they but they managed them carefully and not putting them in the ring against these durable journeymen too soon because that can uh, lead to disaster in the plans that they have for like an up up and coming uh, rising star i think that was what happened with victor ortiz for example victor ortiz when he fought against marcos maidan i think they thought marcos was coming from argentina not a big name you know this should be a fight that that victor ortiz could take care of and then Marcos Maidana upset the world, but the boxing industry isn't stupid. They said, damn, who's this Maidana guy then? Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, let's see what let's this right guy on got. Him. Yeah. And so they, 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 I think they tried to make a, a journeyman, a, a durable fighter out of Marcos Maidana. But then when he beat Broner, ends up landing the fights against Mayweather and, and kind of flips the script on the industry. You have fighters like Gabe Rosado, who, who had four losses in a row. At one point in his career, right? Gabe Rosado lost to Triple G. He lost then to Jay Le- Leon Love, but it was overturned because Love tested positive for a banned substance. Mm-hmm. Then he loses to Peter Quillen. Then he loses to Jermel Charlo. Then he loses to David Lemieux. Mm-hmm. This is this is in like span of three years, maybe two this years. Was, this, this was before he landed the fight against Danny Jacobs. This is before he fought against Jaime Munguia. This is before he fought against Shane Mosley Jr. So he's still like Gabe Rosado's always been interesting to me because he'll he'll rack up he's racked up defeats mm-hmm. in fights where he took a challenge or you know they, they they lured him in to fight against these fighters because they wanted their fighters to shine. These are big names yeah. that were meant to shine, mm-hmm. and Gabe Rosado was in there with two options: upset the world or take a quality L. Yeah. And the quality L's add up and again all l's are not created equal because these l's are kind of for a gabe rosado who knows how to market himself he's a movie star you know he's incredibly smart in in terms of putting his name out there and marketing himself and so that's why he's also able to land these other fights after going on a five fight losing streak Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not all fighters have that personality not all fighters have that ability to market themselves they're they're more reserved some are more they keep to themselves. They're not out there on, on, on Instagram, on, on social media. So it's crazy because in boxing, if you're not that type of fighter like Gabe Rosado that, that knows how to market themselves, then the blame, the fault is on you. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, well, I have a promoter. So what's my promoter's role yeah. in, in making me a bigger name or, or attractive uh, uh, fighter for, for me to land fights mm-hmm. and continue to, to, to move forward in my career, right? Mm-hmm. There's an investment in certain type of fighters. And then there's like, okay, well, these fighters, we, we are, we're, we're relegating them to becoming the journeymen, the durable fighters yeah. that we still, that we need. You need to have those fighters in order Indeed. for boxing to work. 
they keep the quality up, you know, they know what it takes to be at the top, you know? So like, it's a, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Just the, the nuance of what role they play in the industry, uh, but also how they have to do it themselves. Like, I feel like all these names that I, I mentioned, plus Gabe Rosado, Beltran, they're managing themselves. They're managing their own images and they still have to play the game that, is mostly catering to the folks like that they want to win the holders of the belts the cash cows the ones who still have a zero like it's it's just kind of unfair and i think uh, what I'm, what reminds me of this is andre ward's tweet is just like why are these sanctioning bodies taking so much money right. from everybody when really you could see the focus of their effort is just on the the very few and um, and yeah, so all this promoting business is just so hard for people and especially for folks that don't have promoters, it's just like even harder for them to manage it themselves and keep afloat. Um, so, yeah, it's it's these are I, I, I mentioned these names because but they're also the, the elite of the journeyman. But like mm-hmm. for every one of them, there's like 80 percent of others. There's still that don't have wins they're still trying to make themselves in the fights and being put into the ring as an underdog, but them in their mind saying, Hey, this is another chance for me to market myself, you know, win or lose. Like I can win. That's also great. But even with a loss, I can still keep moving forward. And so that it's, it's a very sad sport. And I'm, I'm reminded by that movie, uh, Mickey Rourke, the wrestler, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. that's that's the real they, there's tons of stories like that in boxing to this day of poor people still trying to just make it in the world with, against the system that's stacked against them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that that turns into like, you know, we're, we're talking about L's about losing in boxing and Mayweather's genius. Right. in in creating this brand of 49, 48, 49, 50 have tried and 50 have failed, you know. That was genius. And I always I've always told folks, too, that had Mayweather lost, that would have I think that L would have been huge, even though he was a cash cow and and he was like the guy in boxing during that time. I think an L would have meant like it would have shattered his entire branding. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would have had to really switch up because it's like what I can't brand myself as 49 and one now. Yeah. You know, so that L too late. (laughs) Yeah. That L would have had a lot of consequences because he put a lot of his eggs in that basket. He gambled on himself and he won. So that's good. But that's not going to be the case for every boxer. But he gambled on himself and said, yeah, this is I'm going to get rich. I'm going to become famous. I'm going to become so relevant based on not having lost a fight and it worked out for him but for other fighters like i'm thinking about like recently there was a the thriller um fight where all three vargas sons were on the same boxing card Uh and that's there that raises another issue like we know about these durable journeyman fighters who are landing fights against the the one percent of boxing but then you have that same kind of dynamic happening, but with fighters who are identified as potential contenders, potential world champions in the future. And this is the case with the Vargas brothers and they're fighting against fighters who are in there to make these guys look good, but also to prepare them as they ascend into their career. Like they're being very well taken care of because, and rightfully so. And I'm glad that they are, their father is, is managing and training them. So he has, 
the name, the, the Vargas family name that's going to protect them and help them. That's going to land them good connections in, with promoters. That's going to land them good connections with managers. And they're marketable. They're very charismatic. They're entertaining to watch. They're already putting butts in seats. Mm-hmm. But then the, the rivals that they have, like who are these con- who are these fighters that they're fighting against? These are like another level of like fighters who are already identified as beatable, but that will serve a certain purpose as you create the stars of the future in boxing. And that's yeah. an, that's now another realm. Yeah of exploitation that we're seeing in boxing too so i think these examples we've we've gone from talking about mayweather we've gone to talking about what l's mean in boxing that they're not created equal and and it's now leading us into this conversation about like again which we we oftentimes come back to is exploitation Mm -hmm. and if if we keep it real Mm -hmm. boxing is so reliant on a labor force majority of the labor force is not going to be a world champion Mm-hmm. majority of the labor force in boxing is not going to rise to six figure, seven figure paydays. Mm-hmm. Right. But boxing needs these fighters. That's the leverage. I think that Andre Ward has spoken about the value yes. that fighters have, whether you're the star up and coming star or like, you're like a, someone like a fighter who, that's like, who's been training someone who yeah. stays ready. You know, like a lot of these names that I mentioned, why they got those fights is because, yeah, for some other reason, whoever they, the beatable guy that they matched up, backed out, got sick, got injured, and but these guys stayed ready. And I think that's a, that's a real discipline and honor to the sport itself. Like these guys still manage to have faith in it and knows that hey, the chance I get can be can come at any time, so I got to stay ready. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, that labor force thing is is just like there's so much stories in that. And I think that's what the split draw has always been about. We want to shine a light on these guys, give them the, 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 the praise and and appreciation that they deserve because we're watching like some of us are. And I, I feel like there's more of us boxing fans that actually do watch because they're entertaining, regardless of the name or power or zero in their record. You know, mm-hmm. but that's you know, that's a bigger issue, too, about. Like, what is the industry's responsibility for a labor force that they need? That's the narrative that needs to be switched up. The, the boxing industry, promoters, managers need this type of labor force. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's a need for that type of labor, there's a leverage there that fighters have. And that leverage, I think. It's easy for me to say it, right, but it's, it, I think it's really a moment we're in that fighters I know that they're advocating for themselves. Yeah. And I don't know what the answer is, but fighters need to be better compensated, whether you're a fighter that's 50 and no, or you're a fighter that's got like zero wins and 10 losses, but you're being placed in there to fight against someone that your, your plans are to make a star. Yeah. That's a commodity that you're using to maximize your, your other investments. So there's a leverage there to say fighters need to be better taken care of in terms of their compensation, in terms of, their healthcare because you, you, once you're done with this commodity, which is a human being, you toss them off to the side of the road and then you forget them. And some of these fighters that don't get televised, we won't ever know their names because they've already been disposed of. Yeah. Promoters get a pension. Promoters get health insurance. Promoters get this 3% that they've planned for all along. What are they, an Apple app store? Like they're not, (laughs) that's not what they're doing here. It's Mm -hmm. just been a weird platform that's grown organically and unfairly 
like because nobody else asked the question and um so yeah it's it's um yeah hopefully something like a mechanism like a percentage comes to all fighters soon because there just needs to be equity in that area and yeah it sucks like only the exciting fighters get their due and they get that like kind of mechanism that keep things rolling and yeah it insulates good fighter or good fighters or the ones that are the cash cows it insulates them so that canelo can say yeah i don't care about that loss i'm gonna be good um but not every fighter uh, not canelo is worried about that like who knows what castaño is thinking right now but you know he's he's strategizing and he's making those steps to be like okay which name am i going to fight next because it cannot go lower in quality than jermail chowler yeah i met i met brian castaño's dad this this week oh nice guy very nice guy i was in uh i was at manny robles's gym in southgate and uh and and brian castaño's father was there i got to meet him and talk with him briefly but uh just a nice nice very serious man hell yeah man it's i mean they're they're all serious that's the thing like it's not it's not like anybody who's a boxer who fights at that world stage is a dumbass like they're all smart and um yeah trying to give them their due here all right can we roll into predictions rudy this mm. is some oh, exciting upcoming fights and folks that have zeros <laughs> like yeah. it's on theme wow that's so true did we do that on purpose i think yes. we did you know <laughs> 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 well, the first one is uh, Roly Romero against Gervonta Davis. That's coming up. Yes. I'm excited about this one because Roly Roly was uh, he 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 got pulled out of that fight the, when they were originally going to fight, and then Davis ended up fighting against uh, Pitbull, mm-hmm. and that fight was uh, very entertaining. Pitbull lost that fight to Davis, but um, now we got Roly and Davis, and I I, I think Roly's crazy. I think Roly is super super crazy, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. He's undefeated. And I, I really like how he's <clears throat> positioned himself in, to be in, in, in this in this place in his career, to be able to fight against a big, big uh, um, champion and, and rising star. A lot of people think that that Davis or at least that's what Mayweather said, that Davis would eventually take his place as the cash cow of pay-per-view is yet to be seen. But I, I like this fight because <laughs> yeah. it, it does present a little bit of a risk for Davis. But I think Roley. I've seen a lot of of clips of him in the gym practicing that like the the quick lean back defense that uh, he's trying to like I think perfect and bring into this fight, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem it doesn't seem to flow in a way that it will look to be efficient when you're when you need to do it inside the ring. I think Davis is going to catch him, and I think he'll stop him in between like rounds eight and ten, or Davis will just pull off a decision win. Yeah, I agree. I actually am more confident about a knockout uh, from the Davis camp um, because, yeah, like this last fight was Pitbull. He was small. A lot of people criticize him and now he's back to fighting taller fighters. And I think the last fight was um, uh, Leo, Leo Santa Cruz. Like to me, Roley is not like Leo Santa Cruz. I, I just feel, I feel like that that's just a, a template that Davis is actually more comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. I think Roley is a little bit faster and we'll see if he can take a punch. I think he seems pretty durable. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Davis's, um, punching power and in combinations and just like angles, uh, will surprise him. And yeah, I, I feel like that's the case, but I don't know. I was a lot, I was really wrong with, uh, Canelo, uh, two weeks ago. So I, I'm like trying to be more careful with my predictions. <laughs> don't, don't be reckless, baby. <laughs> be reckless. Who cares? No, I think, um, 
when when he fought against Leo Santa Cruz, Davis did take punches from Santa yeah. Cruz. But I think I think Davis, the difference there is that Davis probably didn't respect Leo's power. Yeah. And he was like, OK, I could I could take punches to get inside and, and do what I need to do, which he ended up doing, which was land that uppercut that eventually knocked out cold Leo Santa Cruz yep. with with Pitbull. Davis was a little bit more cautious because uh he didn't have enough time to prep for the last minute change uh -huh. and he didn't need to take too many risks because the fight was already sold and it was it was um he, all he needed to do was just walk out there with a win and um it's tough because as a fighter it's like yeah like i advocate for them to do what they need to do to win the fight and come out with their faculties and not risk too much but for fans fans want to see excitement fans want to yep. see knockouts fans want to see them take risks and i get that too but but Davis did what he needed to do to get out of that fight without yeah. any damage. And he did. So I like I like how both Roley and Davis are coming in fresh to this fight. But I just think Davis is more more dynamic. Um, he does have the shorter arms, as as Roley has said about his T-Rex arms. <laughs> but I think he's crafty and he'll he'll find a way to win and uh, and use his power to his advantage and, and pick his shots to break down Roley and and. Mm -hmm. work towards a decision or work towards a stoppage i just don't see roley being able to to pull off that upset yeah we'll see like he but needs to start start pivoting his o soon if they're if we're right here <laughs> all right how about this next one haney versus cambosos coming up one episode we talked about it and i i told you i said i like camboso mm -hmm. I, I i really do and i i liked what I saw when he was training and preparing for Teofimo, he uh, was uh, possessed. He yes. was he was super focused and dialed in for that fight. And now with the three belts that he won from that fight, my big question that is going to be yet to, like we won't certainly know the answer to this question until the end of this Camboso and uh, Cambosos and and Haney fight. But my thing is, will Cambosos be hungry? Yes. Will he stay hungry? Will he mm -hmm. go to the gym? Will he like put in the same type of effort physically and strategically as he did in his preparation for Teofimo? Because that was a fight of his life and yes. he executed and he came through. And now do we see a Cambosos that reflects Rocky and Rocky part three when he fights <laughs> against Mr. T? Yeah. Has <laughs> that fight civilized Cambosos? Has uh. that fight made him content yeah yeah, uh, yeah that's where i'm like i don't know it's gonna be hard to replicate back-to-back -back intense training camps yes and rise to the top so i'm, I'm gonna call upset and, in that fight and i'd say haney wins by decision i i like that call too i um have been feeling this for quite a while because yeah the conditions that cambosos won against teofimo were so intense and sharp and it made him laser sharp because of all of the antics Tiafino pulled off, the fact that Cambosos was training here for his life rather than going back to Australia. And now, yeah, he's the king. Now he's got the belts. He'll be fighting Australia. Uh, but I also think Haney has shown less of vulnerability compared to what Teofimo might have uh, shown and allowed Cambosos to study him upon. And so I feel like Haney has been getting more sound and more um, foundationally like 
just solid uh, over his fights. And yeah, I kind of don't like his attitude, his media presence, his Twitter like follower being like his clout, but like his boxing skill doesn't doesn't lie. And I think uh, Haney's gonna go out there and take it from him. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that'll be that'll be my decision too. You know, they they, they talk a lot about Haney being chinny. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you going off? Of? I don't, I don't what see you... that. Yeah, not I don't you. See that. I'm not, I'm not saying you, Jared, but like people say that, right? You've heard it yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say he's chinny. And I'm like, what are you basing that off of? Like, are you basing it off of Lenares hurting him in that fight? Because if so, Lenares, that's a disrespect to Lenares. Lenares packs a punch. Lenares, when they fought, was still like a very dangerous fighter. And the fact that Haney was able to take that punch and and weather the storm and recover. And finish the fight and win a decision, mm-hmm. and because he outboxed Menares in that fight. Huge, yeah. He he took that and then bit down on his mouth guard even harder and finished it. And that's that's maturity beyond his years, you know. So I thought mm-hmm. that was that was solid. He 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 definitely is acting to play that role for a long time to come, and he's still very young. I and guess, uh, yeah, I guess not all chins are created equal because like what I saw in in that is like similar when when Mayweather got like wobbled by mosley yeah but you know but we've never called mayweather chinny <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> when my don when my donna hurt amir khan in their fight we already knew that there's a history of a chinny fighter in 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 khan khan yeah. got knocked out by uh prescott um he had been hurt in other fights and when he, and danny garcia really really hurt him mm-hmm. and never recovered and, and lost that fight so chinny in in haney's case i'm like i don't know i don't know if i would call him chinny i would say (laughs) devin haney took a good punch and and like any fighter who's not immune to a solid punch as we've seen in floyd mayweather too one of the best defensive fighters in our in the history of boxing yeah that's you know the chinny thing i want to throw that out the window and say Haney, let's change the narrative that's true let's change the narrative like why can't we say devin haney can take a punch yeah, why not? And why then not? people are like, "Oh, he's chinny." It's like, "Whoa, really?" Like <laughs> that's, that's how that quick you're you're willing to to label a fighter that's up and coming and and rising to their like. You know what? You know, I'll just be contrarian for this podcast. I will change. <laughs> I'll change it to Combosos. Let's, let's. You are maybe, a fan of Combosos. I do. I I love him. I, I actually do. That. I do love him. Actually, I love his drive. I love that he went to the marking streak right away. I think it has been kind of quiet. So maybe he is preparing and trying to surprise the world again. Um, so yeah, let me, let me pick him because uh, I think uh, it's his story is not ending yet. Like I don't, I don't want to see what's on the other side if Haney takes all the belts from him. So I want to see him get all the belts now. All right. Yeah. So continuing on to the awards, this is me this week trying to give an award to Charlo, the new face of the undisputed uh, middleweight class. And I also want to give a little bit of uh, to Bevo, but what I, what I just want to award this about is just like the sportsmanship we're seeing now with this, with these big fights, like, I don't see no shit talking. I see really just gracious winning and just drive to win. And um, yeah, I, I love it. I love the the winning flavor here. And uh, I want to give the award to both, both the winners of, uh, uh, of the, of uh, the Castaño and the Canelo fight. Uh, both of them are very gracious and I'm really looking forward to how they, how they embrace this champ mentality now, because yeah, <laughs> they have ascended now to a new level of champness and uh, you know, they're very humble people. Are they going to be more outspoken? Are they going to be more choosy about who their opponent is? We'll see. And then now my, uh, uh, what I'll name this award this week is the it ain't easy award. 
And I think this one goes to Jake Paul because, uh, you know, he's he went he's going through his first mega event. I would call it a mega event with him promoting Amanda Serrano against Katie Taylor. Uh, but yeah, like I felt he was a little bit not gracious uh, in supporting his fighter after the fight and and also not following through and 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 make and seeing that he has momentum to catch for Amanda Serrano post the fight, which he's not capitalizing on. Um, I, I think uh, it's uh, that's why I call it the innate easy award. If he's trying to really change a promoting game from within. He needs to really like do something different and uh, work harder than the promoters out there. Promoters already are always looking at the next fight, the next thing, the next thing to start the conversation with. And I feel like the way Jake, uh, Jake said, you know, robbed, like was just dishonorable to both Katie, both Am- Amanda. And yeah, it's just not setting a, a good path for her, I believe. So um, that's, that's what I got this week for you, Rudy. Right on, right on. Well, that's it for us today. What a good conversation. Uh, appreciate you as always, Jared. That's us signing off. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.